as it is, as it is. Talk to me. Has this, uh, has this been blessing you? Is it something that's, that's really uh, growing us up? Talk to, talk to me, too, uh, online. To, uh, type, type in the comments uh, if it's something that's, that's really been blessing you, if it's something that um, is really changing your life. And uh, I know it is for me. really is uh, bringing a, a greater depth uh, of understanding with, uh, within the kingdom and knowing that it's, it's a real thing. It's, it's not just a, a cute saying. It's not just um, preacher verbiage. Just to slide over into, into the next thing and whatnot. This, this is a real functioning organization known as the kingdom of God. And it, and it has uh, rules and regulations and nuances and things that are a part of it, things that are not a part of it. And we've just been exploring uh, those, different, uh, those different things. Uh, we just came out of the, the sub-series of, of uh, hidden and how God hides. Things that just gets this, this pleasure of hiding things in the most common places so that no one else will receive glory but him. And knowing that, uh, that that's our lives, if we don't have to examine too far, at least I know I don't, don't have to examine too far to see uh, God's extraordinary hand on something that I would look at and just call so common, something I would call so ordinary. Yet God is looking for that exact place. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a pivot today. We're going to spend the next few weeks, um, still certainly and as it is, because remember that that's our theme uh, for the year. So we're going to spend time, uh, still spend all our time uh, the rest of the year talking about the kingdom. But today we're going to uh, pivot into, into a different thought. Just something that I heard, heard the Lord say actually a few weeks ago. And uh, just was waiting for him to release when it was okay to start talking about it. We're going to uh, spend the next few weeks talking about what it takes to develop a kingdom palette. What does it take to develop a kingdom palate? And of course, your, your palate is what you use to eat, what you use to, to taste different foods. So we're about to uh, look at, for the next few weeks, what, what, what does it look like for, for me to develop a kingdom palate? What does it look like for me to be able to take what it is that the kingdom is given to me and make sure that I've got the proper uh, palate there so that I can taste to the fullness what I'm supposed to be tasting because if my palate isn't cleansed correctly, there's something that I can miss within the meal. There's something I can miss. In the most exquisite of restaurants, you have in between your courses what is called a palate cleanser. Sherbet, whatever it is that they might use. But the whole point of that is not for you to get full off of it for it to clean the palate so that the next course that comes is something that you can have to this fullest experience and you don't have the residue of what you ate one time before mixing in with the new that you're trying to eat now. I'm so excited. Golly. I'm so excited. So we, uh, we're going to spend some time in uh, numbers today. Pretty much that's where we're going to be. The book of Numbers. Uh, so we're going to start in Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, we're pretty much going to read the whole uh, chapter, but we're going to start at verse 1, verses 1 through 10. 
and then uh, 31 to 35. Numbers chapter 1, I mean, excuse me, Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And then verse 31 to 35. And then uh, put your, if you got one of the hard Bibles, put your ribbon in Numbers 13. Or just remember it, Numbers 13. That's where we'll be going next. Then we got one more stop. All right. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Thank you, Ryan. Let's get ready. Let's get ready to rock with this. Numbers 11, verse 1. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. Verse 2, then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tibera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Seven. Now the manna was like coriander seed and its color like the color of bedellium. The people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones and beat it into mortar, cooked it in pans, made cakes of it, and its taste was like the taste of pastry uh, prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. <coughs> and verse 10. Then Moses uh, heard the people weeping throughout their families. And everyone at the door of his tent, the anger of the Lord, was greatly aroused. And Moses also was displeased. Give me a few moments to uh, lay, lay some groundwork uh, before, before we jump into that. Because we've already uh, laid out where we're going. Developing a kingdom palette. You know, I think every family... Uh, has has a dish, some dishes that that are prepared or, or that you eat that when when you uh, when you eat it, it is not it's not just food, but it it has a story behind it. Like the 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 meal, the dish has a story, especially probably for the one more so who is preparing it. Than, than those who eat it. I mean, those of us who eat it, we may, we may know the story or know the backstory of what it is that's prepared. But, but the dish has a story behind it as to how I got the recipe. Uh, I got it because I spent a lot of time in the kitchen or I was just fooling around and happened to mix a few good things and it actually turned out okay. I was watching TV. I got it from grandma. I got it from great grandma. There's, there's some kind of story that's attached to meals that, that we eat. Those stories can be times that remind us of, of a happy Thanksgiving, remind us of a good Fourth of July, remind us of, of good laughs and a good time that we had, and remind us of, of the, the goodness of God and the, just the, the, the wonder of family and hanging out and having a good time. But then there can be a, a meal that does not have that good of a story to it. There can be a meal uh, that I eat that reminds me of when I was nine years old and I ate the meal, what was going on around me as I was eating it. 
that plates were being thrown over my head by my mother and my father at each other. That uh, I ate this meal alone. Didn't really want to be alone, but I ate it. I ate it alone. All, all meals don't necessarily have a, a good story or, or, a good, or a good ending to it. And where, where I want to go with this is understanding that the, those meals that might not have the, the best of story or let's just go eat, digging even deeper into the food, the food itself might have been just a survival mechanism. Sometimes I'm not eating necessarily to enjoy the food. I'm just eating to make it. Mom, mom and dad, mom and dad just doing what they got to do to put food on the table. Mom and dad doing what they got to do to make things work, make things happen. You got something to eat, put it in your belly so that your belly is not messing with you while you sleep. Just, try, just trying to make it and, ha and have things like that. And the, the thing with, with those kind of survival mechanisms and, and things that are built within life in the name of survival is that as God moves and advances me in life, he's not always trying to keep me in survival. That's something, first off, that, that we have to understand. God's, God's not calling me just to make it. Beautiful song, Bishop Marvin Sapp, never would have made it. Never could have made it without you. I would have lost it all. Now I see that you were there for me. Beautiful song, but if I get stuck within the mentality of I just made it and keep that survival mentality locked on me, then I, that, there are things within an abundant kingdom that I cannot tap into. Because a mind of abundance, I have, to, I have to be aware of the fact that God has called me to make it. But that's not what God has called me to stay. There is an elevation factor within the kingdom. Faith to faith, strength to strength, glory to glory. God's not called me just to survive. So when God moves and elevates me, and as I'm progressing, and as God is showing forth his promise, and my faith is being ignited to believe for his promise, and believe of things being greater, being more, being grander, what can happen is my appetite still stays the same for what I used to eat in survival. So, so God's moving, God's elevating things. I'm being exposed to things, but the cravings and appetites still want what used to be. Craving and appetite is still okay with survival meal and survival food. Still okay with being there. Although God is trying to move and God is trying to shift. And what we're going to look at with the children of Israel is the process of God trying to move them on and change their palate. Trying to shift and change their palate. Yet there was something about their, their survival time that arrested their palate from being changed. And I just have to pose the question. Could it be? That I still too every now and then want leeks and onions. I I I still too want to dip in to what used to have to be consumed with, within within the hard time. Because let's let's look at this for a little bit. Give me uh, give me verse give me verse five. Give me verse five. Because first off, what we have to look at is when you do when you do study on the children of Israel. One of the things that you're going to see. Is that the main focus of most of the children of Israel, most of them, 
Was their, was their fantasy just infatuation and fulfillment about their temporary needs always being taken care of? They, they were totally zoned in, most of them, totally zoned in and focused in on I need you to take care of my temporary needs, i.e., what, what are we going to eat today? What are we going to drink today? My temporary need that's right in front of me. How, how is this going to be taken care of? You didn't take care of this like you said that you were going to. What is it that you're going to give to us so that we can have substance in this day, in this time, and then take care of that? And if you do that, then maybe I will believe in you. That's what we see from the children of Israel most of the time. And then when it comes to kingdom understanding, we see Jesus come back there in one of his first messages when he said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what it is that you're going to wear. Because when you do that, you are, for, you are forgetting the fact that you are of royal status now. And because you are of royal status, those kind of meager means are not something that you're supposed to be putting your focus and attention on as if that's something that God's not aware of. God is aware of my needs before I even knew I had a need. And so he, and then he goes down into it and beautifully laying out if, if the birds don't have that kind of thought process if the grass of the field and the flowers of the field don't have that kind of thought process and they are below the greatest apex of creation of humankind and human beings how much more will God take care of me as I shift my focus within the right place or in other words go through the palate cleanser go through that time of him cleansing my palate so that I can taste of what it is that he's trying to give to me. So we see the children of Israel spend too much of their time focused in on something like that and focus in on those temporary needs being met. And right, and right here, what I want us to see, because Numbers 11, what we just read and where we're going, this is one of their classic examples of them crying out and complaining to God. It was in verse 1. Now the children of Israel complained and, cry, and, cry, and cried out to God, complained against Moses, complained against God. The complaint was always driven by some temporary thing not being met. And God, in his goodness, although he was angry, because verse 2, verse 3 said he was tired of it, he got angry, caused fire literally to come down from heaven, burn the outside of the camp, yet they had a representative in Moses that said, please give them another chance, because if you take them out, this is a conversation Moses had a lot with God. If you take them out Lord then all the nations are going to hear it because they already know that you're their God so now what kind of story is that going to be if the testimony is you smoke them out that's not going to look good on your resume Lord so you, you might need to rethink that one then the Lord would change his mind would give them another chance and watch how God gives in to their request gives in to their request to give what it is that they think is the problem. Because verse 5 right here is them going down memory lane and complain against God of it was better for us where we were before you brought us out. And within, king, and within uh, our palate being cleansed and developing a kingdom palate, there might be a time where you're in the process of the transformation where it feels like, you know, it was better back there. Talk to me. 
It, it was better back there. It felt better. I have all this pressure. I didn't have all this stuff going on. I didn't have all this time. I didn't have all this stuff pressing against me back then. Now I got with you. You told me you the answer, but I ain't never had more questions in my life than, than I do right now. And you are the answer. Now check this out. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. Look. Which we ate freely in Egypt. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. What they are failing to realize is that that meal was not free. Let me tell you something. Just because you don't pay money for something doesn't mean you didn't pay something. The, the, we remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt. You have no idea the price that you were paying was the fact that your life was taken from you. You gave your life for that meal. Your humanity and your existence. You were embarrassed and brought to the lowest factor, lower than dirt. They made you do what they wanted you to do and didn't pay you a dime. And they gave you an onion in return. See, this is the process in which sin brings us in. Sin warps my mentality and warps me into this thinking that it's doing me more of a favor than what it is. Sin will always keep me longer than I want to stay, cost me more than I want to pay, and cause me to be in an area that I do not want to be in. Every time. Yet in my warped mentality and warped view, if my palate is not properly cleansed, I will look at that in a memory as if it was a good thing. We remember fish we freely ate, cucumbers, leeks, onions. We had all of that. Our bellies were full in Egypt. But you were incarcerated. You're not free. And one of the worst forms of bondage is the one that builds deception that you actually are free. A form of bondage that will, that will create a scenario to make me think that I'm free. I don't have to use the substance every day. I just use it when I want to. So the using it when I want to deals the deception that I'm free. I ain't bound by it all the time. But anytime I am being led by something outside of the spirit of God, which is the essence of liberty, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Anytime there's anything else, be it substance, be it any kind of form of addiction, pornography, and you go down the list or whatever it might be. Anytime there's a vice or something that I feel like I've got to attach myself to, to function in any kind of normal sense, I am not free. I'm not free. And that's not the best that God has called me to be and God has called me to have. Now, what this is not is a beat you up message if there is a vice of some kind. This is a rallying cry and a signal that there is a freedom that you can have. But what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to submit to this 
palate cleansing and have the taste of what used to be removed out of my system so that I can get adjusted to another kind of taste. Because the problem with the children of Israel was their palate still had too many cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic attached to it. Hence why, give, give me the next verse. He put them on a different diet. Give me verse 6, please. But now a whole being is dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Manna was not God uh, being crass with them or ignoring them. God in his genius wanted to cleanse their palate. You don't want to eat it, but you need to. You're not trying to have this diet, I understand, but I ain't really worried about how you feel right now. I know what you need. So eat this manna. Eat this. What is it? Consume this. Because as you consume this, it's going to fill you in the way that you say that you need to be filled. So I'm going to take care of that. But then I'm going to work my operation at the same time too. Because you are now my people. And in being my people, you can't have the taste of yesterday going into this tomorrow that I'm taking you to. So this is the palate. We have nothing uh, at all except this manna before our eyes. Verse 7, please. Verse 7, now the manna was like coriander seed and its color was like the color of uh, bedellium. Verse 8, just write it all the way to verse 10. The people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones, beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans, made cakes of it. Its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. Verse 9, and when the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna fell on it. Then verse 10, then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families. Check it out. Answer that cry and steal. Still weeping. Heard the people weeping throughout their families. Everyone at the door of his tent. Anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses was also displeased. So Moses is chosen as the one to, to liberate them from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. Taking them on the journey of changing their palate. Changing their eating habit. What they consume. Basically when, when I say what, what we eat. It is, it is parallel to what we consume and get satisfaction from. Israel's, God's issue with Israel, one of them anyway, was the fact of their infatuation with getting satisfaction from only temporary things. Temporary. Your stomach going to do that Tomorrow. And you're basing your entire followership on me in your belly? That's not royal status. Hence why you need this palate cleanser because I need your thinking on a different frequency for where it is that, that I'm taking you. Because they, they, the children of Israel have built a safe haven, have built in the name of survival, in the name of survival. And survival's not a bad thing. So survival, if I hit a point of survival in life, sometimes I don't even know it's coming. I don't even know it's coming. And when it hits and it hits, all of a sudden I have to just buckle down and make, make, it, make it do what it do type thing. 
I just have to buckle down, make things happen. But as my life is, is going and progressing, as I stay connected to the spirit of God and stay sensitive to where my palate is, by his voice and by his promptings, I will be able to allow my palate to be conducive with the season that he has me in. So for God to try and progress me forward into a more progressive advancing season, but my taste buds aren't fit toward that. Then the process has to come to a halt because before I can get to this plate, I need to have the palate that can handle it. I need to have the kind of palate that can handle what it is. Because too many of us, we ask God for a meal that our palate can't handle. Asking God for a full-on course meal and my tongue is not fit to be able to handle it. In fact, I would eat on it and call it a leak. Eat on it and call it an onion. When that's nowhere in the spread of what God's trying to give. So very important that we submit ourselves to this process. And, and the children of Israel have built that safe haven in that survival time. And they built it in this place of dysfunction. So they got okay because of that time of survival with operating in dysfunction as the default way of functioning in life. This function worked for me then, it's going to work for me now. But here's the problem, you're not in survival anymore. You're not in Egypt no more. Egypt, you had to survive. Egypt, you had to make it. Egypt, whatever it was that came on the plate, you had to eat it and just be okay with it. Now, you're being moved into a time where you're actually being developed to take hold of a promised land. And within promised land, you are not trying to survive. In promised land, you are being built up to where you can work a system by way of the maturity that is happening within you within the wilderness. And that's what the wilderness actually is. The wilderness was just a time for their palate to be cleansed because there's another palate that they had to develop, one that feeds from that which is eternal. God was saying, I need your taste. I need your taste buds, what you get satisfied by, what you call satisfaction and sustenation to come from an eternal source, which is me, says God. We got to get off of just your stomach being filled. We got to get off of just the temporary things being taken care of because if you stick there, I'm, I'm too awesome and too eternal to just, to just keep myself within this space like that. I'm not going to deduce myself just down to this just so I can satisfy you and satisfy your hunger. If you're going to be my people, you got to be raised up. If you're going to be my people, you've got to grow up in what it is that satisfies you. If you're going to be my people, you've got to grow up in the sense of there are things that might not be happening in the way that I like and in the way that I want to, but I know that there's a meal that's going to feed me and I will be satisfied within him. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness, Solomon told us. There's a feeding that's supposed to happen on the faithfulness of God. And where does that go? that doesn't touch my stomach that touch my soul I need my soul and my spirit man touched by the faithfulness and goodness of God that's why I remind myself that even if I'm in a low place and tears are coming out my eyes I will not give up my meal of this faithfulness nah I can't give this plate up no no I need that one I need the plate of his faithfulness dwell in the land Feed on this goodness. The internal dialogue 
and compass that was happening within the children of Israel needed to change. Because honestly, they, they kept contributing. They kept contributing their issue and their problem to the fact that they were hungry. God, you not take care of my needs. You're not, you're not taking care of my needs. You're not taking care of my problems. You're not taking care of what's going on within my life. That's what they contributed to. But if you watch, God in his goodness took care of that, and they still complain. Just, just go read. They will complain. God will get mad. Moses, please don't kill him. All right, not going to kill him. Going to take care of it. And they still complain. Showing what? That what they thought was the real issue was not the real issue. Sounds fairly familiar to us. Now we lift up my voice and complain, God, this is the problem, and then get a response, that's not the problem. I ain't going to slide into that prophetic move and ask you, you ever had that happen? Sitting there going in. God, this is the problem, this is the problem, this is the problem. If you tell them this and go ahead and sh- shift what it is, they seeing it wrong, this, that, and the third. And God the whole time is saying, when you're done, we're going to talk about what the real thing is. Don't get quiet. Don't log off on me. When you get done, let's talk about what the real issue is. You see, I'm talking about temporary fixes. That's not the problem. The problem lies within the palate and what it is that you are tasting you're not tasting to the full what it is that's supposed to be happening so wilderness is that palate cleanser wilderness is that time where the children of Israel are being introduced to a different chef introduced to how he prepares introduced to how he takes care of his people wilderness is also that place too where he is removing every sense of codependency that they have had because then they are extremely codependent on what they used to eat think about it it's for survival's sake it was survival's sake and it, and it, and it took care of, of, of a temporary need so I'm attached to it whenever this need arises I go to this food it takes care of that but God here God is removing the cord from that particular diet because I need you to shift in what it is that you're receiving satisfaction from. This message, I'm telling you, if you have any kind of vice, addiction, addictional pattern, habit that you don't like of any kind, please hear the word of the Lord. There is a meal that God wants you to feast and eat from beyond what it is that you are currently going to sustenation for. There is something that is more. There's something that he has there, but, but I have to go through that process of eating that manna, eating that which is not pleasant, eating that which I'd rather not have for the purpose of something that, that has been lulled to sleep within me, being awakened, and me being able to taste to the full. I see it now. What it is to really taste and feed on that faithfulness. There's a development of a different drive of appetite that God was looking to do with them. Because what was driving them at, at this point was the cravings and longings and desires. But he was wanting them to get to the point where what is driving you is my voice. 
What is driving you is what I said to you, what I am saying to you. Give me, give me, uh, give me my next scriptures. Numbers eleven thirty-one. That was good. I spent a lot of time on that. Thirty-one through uh, I think thirty-five. Oh, wow! Hallelujah! Just that good. Numbers thirty-one thirty-five. Now a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp. Uh, context. This is God responding to their request for meat. Okay, so he gave them manna, still complain, and they complained in particular because there was no meat for them to eat. So this is God and his goodness responding to the request for meat. You want meat? I'm going to give you meat. Now, the wind went out from the Lord, brought quail from the sea, left them fluttering near the camp. About a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side. All around the camp and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. Next verse. And the people stayed up all that day. All that night, all the next day, gathered the quail who had gathered, uh, he who had gathered least gathered 10 homers. So, so the person who got the least got plenty. Every, everybody got plenty. And they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat, look at this verse right here. While the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people. And the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of that place Kiboreth Hataba, because they buried the people who had yielded to craving. From Kiboreth Hataba, the people moved to Hazaroth and camped at Hazaroth. Give me 33. Verse 33 of that, please. While the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was roused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. 34. And just let it rest right there. Yeah. So he called the name of that place what he did because they had buried the people who had yielded the craving. That name of the place literally means grave of craving. Grave of craving. Because... Of not submitting to the palate cleansing. That which they, in previous verses, said they ate freely. What I ate freely, that you not giving me, God. What I ate freely, that you promised me that if I came to you and served you and this, that, and the third, you would give to me. Because there was such a codependency on that former way of eating. And that former diet, it led to their demise. Because of the craving and the yearning toward it, that one last meal, before they could chew it, in the middle of my teeth, was a striking that happened. Saying what? That when, when my cravings and desires are not being properly spirit-led, and being submitted to the process of this cleanser so that I can taste of what I'm supposed to taste of. It has an ability to completely snuff me out and remove me from the plan and purpose of God. Is God sovereign? Absolutely. Is God, is the earth the Lord's the fullness thereof? Absolutely. 
all belongs to him. But if I refuse to submit my craving, he's not going to step above my free will if I like leeks and onions. If I'm in love with cucumbers, if I'm in love with what I call I freely eat, he will let me eat that meal. But the danger of that is that meal wants my life. That meal wants my life. And in that meal wanting my life, what I will not taste of is the riches of his kingdom. And remember, this is the whole conversation. What are we talking about? Rather than a kingdom palate, the kingdom palate leads me into the space that I need to be so that I'm operating by his kingdom law. And in operating by his kingdom law, there is, there is a set way and set diet feeding on his manna, with, which is, uh, which is uh, contributed to or akin to his word within the Bible. Feeding on what it is that he says. Feeding on what it is that comes from his word, comes from his mouth. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that what? Proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm told not to worry about what, it, what to eat and what to drink. Why? Don't, don't focus yourself on that temporary. Don't set the posture of your heart on God taking care of something that's temporary. I can't afford to have the posture of my heart set in that place as if that is the sum total. That is the space where the eternal flow from his word, I set it there. Israel, I need you to set all this energy and focus and desire that you're putting in the food for your belly. I need that to come to me. But because you want, I'll give you what you're asking for. But what you fail to realize is the ticket with this meal is going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you your life. There's a satisfaction and fulfillment that comes through relating to God through obedience. Satisfaction and fulfillment. That there's a meal. There's a satisfaction that comes as I eat with eat in through uh, obeying God. Eat through tapping into my purpose. Eat through understanding my reasoning for existence, which is what Israel was headed toward and being groomed for. Because I need you to go through the wilderness. I'm not expecting you to come right out of Egypt, come right out of bondage, being ready to rule. I understand that we got to have this palate cleanser, but I need you to submit to what it is I am saying that you need to consume so that you are ready for that. But if I get stuck within the process, then I won't get to the point as the Lord said to his disciples when they asked him, had he eaten a meal? And he said, I have meat and drink that you know not of. Said, I have meat and drink that you don't know about because the meat and drink that I'm eating and being nourished by is the fact that I'm smack dab in the will of God. You have meat and, I have meat and drink that you don't know about, and that is to do the will of the Father. There's an appetite and a craving that I have within to be in the midst of working the will of God. What is God's will? What is, what is it that he wants me to do? What is it that he's wanting me to set my hands toward? And as I move and I flow within that and move and flow within that understanding, that is me developing that kingdom palate and that is me developing what it is that I need so that I can taste of this meal that he really wants me to eat of. That he really wants me to eat of. 
developing the kingdom palette. Y'all all right? Y'all looking at me with that deer in headlights look. So I'll make sure that, that, we, that we're doing good. All right, so we got, so we've seen them be submitted to the process. We've seen what happened when they refused to submit, or at least we've seen them have an opportunity to submit to the process. We saw them make the decision that they would rather not. God gave them what it was that they wanted. And those that yielded to the craving, yielded to the craving, were taken out. Now, let's look at what it, what it was that uh, had they submitted to the process, they would have been able to see something properly that, that they missed. Let's go to uh, Numbers 13. I'm getting ready to land the plane. Numbers 13, verse 25 through 33. Okay, so Numbers 13, verse 26. Oh, there we go. Thank you. All right, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. This is them now headed into the promised land to spy it out, to see if what God has said is true. Moses gave a company of people the instruction, go into the land, spy it out, come back. Tell us what it's like. So this is, this is them after they've done that. So they did that 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. So they come back at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him, told him and said, so told Moses and told the people, we went to the land where you sent us. It flows with Milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Pause. Sad thing about this is this is the only good thing that they said. One verse. This is the only good thing that they said. Because verse, here we go, verse 28. Nevertheless. There's a promise of God. Promise of God that started thousands of years before. Maybe hundreds. I'm not sure if I'm right on that. But the point is, is way before them. A promise that got started way before them. They are inheriting something that they did not hear. They're inheriting something from a forefather. Something that a forefather gave. So this is something because of the, of the kind of culture that they were in. They heard about this all their life. They heard about it as kids. They heard about it as teenagers. Their grandparents are always reminding them of it. And this is a promise that we as a people are supposed to be able to inherit and have. And all you got to say is just, it really is a land flowing with milk and honey. Nevertheless, let's go. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Give me the next one, 29. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Why? Because what's happening within them is the palate of what they used to eat in survival is now causing them to look at the promise in a way as if they cannot take it. You still eating on cucumbers, leeks, and onions, and now it has leaked into your mentality where now you are in the face of a promise and you can't see it. He's quieting them because they're rising up in that spirit that says this is too big for us. 
It's already getting started. There's a land that, oh yeah, it's a land that flows with milk and honey just like you said, but, but something else. Nevertheless, hold on. Before we just start charging, hold on. Them people big. Them people big. They strong. Them cities are locked in tight. They fortified. Look, I mean, I, people everywhere, guards everywhere. Just, I, I, don't, I don't know. I know God promised it, but I don't know. No. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome it. What happened? Pilate was cleansed. Pilate was cleansed. My palate has been cleansed. So now when God presents me with the meal, I'm tasting the full experience of this. I'm tasting the full experience of knowing that I feed off of what proceeds from his mouth. And he told our forefathers. He told everybody that came before us. And now he chose us to be the people. Now is the time for us to rise up and go take this thing because God said it's ours. Rise up. Sit down. Be quiet. Shut up. With that leaking on your breath. Leaking on your breath is leaking out of you anytime that you can look at a promise of God and not see it for what it is. That was pretty good, wasn't it? That was all God. Well, that was funny. All right, all right. Y'all, y'all not going to be off. Y'all not going to be off. All right. So, so we're told the quiet, quiet. He quieted them, quieted the people. Let's go up and take this land. This is, our, this is something that's ours. We ain't going after something that's not ours. We're not going outside of the will of God. This is what he said. This is what he said. This is what we're going. 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. This is those who were being quieted down. They're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. You the next one? There they saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So it was time for them to consume differently, yet there was still residue of the old eating habits, of the old eating habits that's alive there. And so much so that it has warped their view of the ability to take take the promised land, take what's rightfully theirs, because they feel like there is not enough strength that's within them. And then it leaks into their perception of themselves in the eyes of somebody else. How do you come to the conclusion without talking to somebody about how they see you? We're like grasshoppers in our, in our own sight and in theirs also. You don't know that. You didn't talk to them. 
You didn't spend any time talking to them because the digestive tract of your soul got warped from your, from your feasting of what it is that you thought that you were eating freely and now it has arrested you to where you're in the midst of something that is able to grow you up and take you into fulfillment but you cannot acquire custom leeks and onions and turn your stomach upside down and they have put you in a place to where your palate is not in the proper place that it needs to be that you might be able to taste of this promise that you might be able to taste so we're like grasshoppers in our sight we small and puny in our sight and then know for sure that we are within theirs Yet, give me, give me my uh, last set of verses, number 14, 1 through 9, and I'm, I'm done. I'm done. So let's look at the response to this. Is this, this, this uh, uh, 33 was the last verse of 13. Now we're going right into Numbers 14. So, so the congregation, because of the bad report that, got, that was gotten from those who went into the land and didn't see it for what it was, this is what happened with the congregation. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Check it out. Because of not submitting to that palate cleansing, we are now dealing with that complaining factor again. The, temp, the temporary fix, the temporary needs. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should become victims. Tempor temporary mentality. Temporary fit. All that God has done. All that God has shown them. Everything that they have seen up to this point. And because I come up to this problem without the proper palate cleansing, I'm not able to see of his goodness and, and feed on that faithfulness. See, dwelling in the land and feeding on his faithfulness is a continual meal that I constantly eat of all the days of my life so that as I keep going every day within life I'm feeding on that no matter what I'm seeing in front of me it's a constant meal that I'm able to pull and feed and feast off of so that my palate stays clean so that I recognize that I know God's goodness is always pointed toward me I know God's goodness is always for me and he would never put me in something that he would allow to take me out as thy days are so shall thy strength be As your days are, so shall your strength be. But because of not submitting to the palate cleansing, we are where we are right here. Why has the Lord brought us to this land? We might fall by the sword. Our wives and children should become victims. Would it not have been better for us to return to Egypt? Return back to the land of what we freely ate. Why would it not be good? So, so they said to one another, let us select the leader and return. If my palate is not cleansed, no matter how much I shout, no matter how much I give, no matter how much I serve, no matter how much I play, if I do not have a clean palate, The residue of the leek and onion will call me back. And I will find myself making decisions 
that I never thought I'd make. Surely there was somebody. Just give me a little bit of space. I suggest go insinuation, please. That there was somebody in the mix saying, return to Egypt. Wait a minute. I mean, I'm mad at Moses and Aaron too, but hold up. It might be rough out here, but it ain't like that. It's not, it's, it's not like that. But that's where I can get to. If that palate ends and cleanse. Because, because the frustration is going to be, I'm sitting here shouting about kingdom and, 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 and enjoying kingdom revelation. But if I don't submit to the palate cleanser, I can't eat meal. So it's forever something that I clap about. But whenever it's tried to be fed to me, I can't taste the goodness of what it is. So everybody else talking about all the bursting flavors and everything that's within the meal. And I'm not tasting the same thing. Because my palate hadn't been cleansed. So he said to one another, let us select the leader and return to Egypt. I'm in there, I promise you. Verse 5, verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation and children of Israel. That's them interceding once again. Verse 6. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephna, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Because their palace had been cleansed. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. My verse right here. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Don't fear them. The ingredients, this is something else they missed about the, the meal that they thought that they freely ate. Like within the ingredients of that meal was a fear-based system that kept them in a position to where they would never rise to who it was they were really called to be. So I'm going to feed you. I'm going to let you have this, but don't you ever rise up against me as if you could come against. So I'm going to keep feeding you and pacifying you with these leeks and onions, and as I do so, it's going to lull the dominion in you. It's going to lull the dominion in you asleep because I'm going to keep taking care of this temporary need. So now, because they have not submitted to the palate cleansing and having dominion awakened within them, now they sitting here being scared of something that God made to be their bread. Don't fear them, for they are our bread. They have been built for nothing more than consumption. You're supposed to be eating this. Who looks at bread on the table and gets scared? This is your side item. Bread not even the main course. Bread accompanies a main course to make the main course better. The main course of the promise is being accompanied by this enemy of bread. But don't fear that. Eat it. Do not fear the inhabitants in the land, for they are our bread. And within our understanding within the kingdom, what God has called me to, the way God's called me to live, the life that God's called me to live, 
Every opposing force comes as a feast to be consumed. That, that which would stand against me, if I allow God to cleanse my palate correctly, I'll see that he's given me an opportunity to eat. He's given me an opportunity to eat. To feast. Don't fear them. Fear got fed to you in that old meal. Fear got fed to you from that old menu. We don't eat from that no more. We don't eat like that around here. And I believe that there is a sound. And there's a word from the Lord. That we have to change what it is we're consuming we have to change where it is that we're receiving sustenance and satisfaction from so that whenever something that is coming as an opposition I see it for what it is bread to be consumed there's no need to fear them they are the bread they are what's to be consumed and within our life God will take me through that process of cleaning my palate and see what I need to see as I need to see it. And I want to say to us that what you might be calling the issue, what you might be looking at in frustration, might be the biggest meal that God's ever prepared for you to eat. <laughs> the biggest problem the problem that you're looking at, the frustration that you're having, could that be nothing more than God turning on the fire, setting the pots and pans in place, getting water to boiling temperature so that there is a feast that is able to be prepared for he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. He anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over, preparing that table for us that we may walk in the fullness by his definition I don't get to choose what fullness is that's a problem with Israel they want to choose what fullness look like you can't do that in royalty I have to submit to what, it, what the process already is and as I do that I will be led in the way that I need to be so this is a memory verse of mine Proverbs 21 21 from the Passion Translation Lovers of God who chase after righteousness seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Lovers of God who chase after righteousness will find all their dreams come true. A life, an abundant life overflowing with favor and a life overflowing with satisfaction. That's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down to. Come on, let's put our hands together. Celebrate the Lord for his word. Okay, go ahead, stand to your feet. My family's at home. Thank you so much for being with us. Everyone lift your hands, please. I bless you. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, for the feast that we were able to have. We thank you, Lord, for the palate cleansing process that you have us on, completely removing the taste of everything that we used to look to for sustenance and satisfaction, removing that taste away from us that we may taste and see that you are good, that we may taste of your goodness, that we may taste 
what it is that we need to so that we can look at every obstacle, look at everything within life, every hard question that we might have, and be able to find the succulent meat, the tastiness of where it is that we are. Thank you, God for this word. Thank you for your presence being with us. I bless your people. May they walk in strength in this way in a way that they never have. Bless them. Keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Family, love you. Y'all dismiss. We'll see you next week. Love you.